Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. I am here today with Dr. George Anton, who is a vascular surgeon. He has a specialty in um, varicose veins and, and spider veins and just all things vascular surgery, but definitely has a special interest in this area. So we're very excited for um, him to be here today to answer a lot of common questions that we get about this topic. So good morning, Dr. Anton. Good morning. Um, first thing, people have confusion, I think, about the difference between what spider veins are and varicose veins. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, varicose veins are simply larger veins by definition. They're greater than three millimeters diameter. Um, the spider veins are rather small uh, and they develop in little clusters. Um, they're associated with uh, things called reticular veins, which are little larger blue veins under the skin. And basically um, all the deep veins, the superficial veins are somehow connected. So what actually causes them? Well, the predisposition uh, uh, for, for spider veins, basically uh, everything is genetic to some extent, and it's also gender related. Uh, women tend to get the uh, spider angioma a little more frequently than men because of pregnancy, basically. Same thing with varicose veins. During pregnancy, the hormones will uh, dilate the veins, and then um, as the fetus grows, it puts pressure on the pelvic veins. It gets transmitted to the lower extremity veins and breaks little check valves uh, within the veins. Um, also contributing to varicose veins and spider veins, they're somehow connected, is uh, it can be job-related. Typically, people that stand in one spot for long periods of time, butchers, bakers, bartenders, machinists, tool and die makers, retail, hairdressing. And um, the, uh, the pressure just builds up as they stand in, in one spot for long periods of time because their muscle pump is working to lower the pressure. So, uh, and then lastly, you know, very heavy people uh, uh, tend to get more varicose veins because of the increased pressure. So when you talk about all those things that put people at risk, can you prevent them? Yeah, so there are um, opportunities to uh, um, lower the vein pressure because really that's what that's what causes all all these uh, vein problems. And uh, there are three ways to lower your vein pressure. You know, lie down, put your feet up uh, above your heart. Not very practical if you have to go to work and have things to do. But during the day, periodically, you can at least elevate them somewhat. Uh, the muscle pump exercise is good. Any form of uh, pumping your feet up and down during long periods of standing or sitting is helpful. And then external compression, usually just in the form of knee-high compression socks. Mm -hmm. So um, when you talk about those socks and things like that, you do see things out in the store or um, various different types of compression stock, you know, stockings or socks. What should people look for when they're looking for that? 
Yeah, so we've come a long way. The original uh, compression hose, uh, like you used to get in the hospital, the white ones, you know, they're uh, they're pretty ugly. They're they're hot. They're hard to get on and off. But um, we have so many new opportunities. If you, you go online and buy athletic compression socks, okay, these are made for people who run long distances and so forth, and they're graded compression. Uh, the materials they're made of allow your feet to breathe. They don't sweat. Uh, and, and, you know, you measure your calf circumference. And generally, I tell people, you know, to, to buy something that, that fits you well, that, that is comfortable. There's all different brands out there. Um, and, and they're a lot cheaper than buying something in the drugstore. You know, you can get these for $20 a pair, and they'll last you a long time. So, um, you know, some of them, uh, the copper-type socks um a lot of them are antifungal antibacterial uh you know and and, and they're extremely comfortable mm-hmm. and just um because we get this question often when people get those how often should they wear is it something you wear all day all night how how should they wear those yeah well um you don't wear it at night because when you're at night you're in bed your your feet are elevated so there's no pressure but uh, I would say, you know, we all wear them every day here. Um, so if you're on your feet, you're working and it could be standing or sitting, you, you know, it's, it's no good either way that pressure builds up. Uh, so you wear these uh, during the day. Interestingly, during the weekend, if you're running around and moving a lot, you probably don't even need them because of the muscle activity and it just automatically lowers the vein pressure. But that stagnant sitting and, and, and standing for prolonged periods of time, um, these will be very helpful, extremely helpful. So now it say you have those, either the varicose veins or the um, spider veins. Are they dangerous? Uh, to a degree. I mean, um, it depends on the size of the veins and, and how um, superficial. So there are potential risks and complications. Um, the, the the main concern for most people is, you know, do I have a blood clot? You know, the, 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 those are those are big concerns for people. And there's a deep venous system and then the superficial vein. So, you know, uh, the superficial uh, phlebitis is painful because there are nerve endings surrounding these veins, whereas the deep veins uh, aren't always painful, but they're they're more um, of a problem in terms of getting clots to your lung. They're, they're, they're a little more morbid. And then the spider veins, um, the superficial veins, um, especially as we age, people over 65 generally, uh, they can actually ulcerate and, and, and bleed. So uh, that's pretty common occurrence also. Um, and what about um, some people, it seems like some people who have the varicose veins, they have pain and some people don't, but does that mean that it's more serious if it's painful or just more irritating or? Yeah, so interestingly, you know, men seem to not have as much pain as women, and I think it's kind of hormone related. Um, And they tend to um, have, it's what I call a male pattern. It's a genetic thing uh, uh, where their veins are really large and and complex. so, you know, I, I, I think uh, uh, the, uh, the, most of these people develop uh, pain, and it's usually localized pain where the varicose veins are, because that's what triggers the little nerve endings. You know, the swelling that they get, the heaviness, you can get itching, you can actually uh, 
um, get eczema type looking skin. And of course, the, the ultimate problem is venous ulcers where you get holes in your skin and, and that's, a, that's a big problem. So can you go through the different treatment options that you have for both spider veins and varicose veins? Yeah, well, let's take a, we'll separate. And the, the spider veins, uh, the best treatment for spider veins uh, is, is injection sclerotherapy with a solution that'll damage the lining of the vein and cause it to scar close. Um, that's the best option. And, and it works well, provided the person doing it is obviously good at doing it, right? And then and it hinges on uh, uh, getting the needle in the vein. That's the rate limiting step. They're small veins. Obviously, we use small needles. Um, but if you can't get the needle in the vein, two things happen. Number one, it won't work. And number two, you, you can damage the skin and actually get holes in your skin. So you have to be careful. The other problem with sclerotherapy uh, for spider veins and, and reticular veins uh, you know, they, they can stain the skin. The, you, know, you, you can't believe the, the photoshopped images, the before and the after that they advertise. The veins are actual structures, so they're never going to completely 100% uh, go away. Now, the, the, the sclerotherapy itself is effective 100% of the time, but there'll always be some residual veins left behind somehow, some way. Um, and then, so 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 the spider veins are, are best treated with that. Of course, compression hose would help over the long haul. But the varicose veins, uh, they're they're bigger, and uh, there are various treatment options. Now, everybody should have some opportunity to wear the compression hose, elevate, pump, as we talk about so-called conservative measures. And if that's enough, then then that's that that's fine. But beyond that, if you still have symptoms, pain, or risk of developing clots in the superficial or deep system, uh, the most important next step is to get um, you know a consultation, a physical exam, and then some um, ultrasound imaging. That's the key. Um, and and when we perform the ultrasound imaging, we look at the superficial system and the deep system, how they're connected and where the pathology uh, occurs, where the broken valves are, where the so-called reflux is. So the options for varicose veins at that point, again, there's different types of sclerotherapy. Um, um, sometimes it's ultrasound guided uh, or regular standard needle through the skin sclerotherapy. Uh, historically, Varicose veins were always a surgical uh, a treatment performed by surgeons, and, and there is uh, opportunities to remove varicose veins either under local in an office setting or more complex uh, um, four-hour procedures as an outpatient in a hospital, for example. And then <clears throat> there's uh, forms of endovenous, what we call ablation, typically of some saphenous vein or, or, or branch of it. And that can be um, newer technology. It's been around for 15 years or so, but um, you can use laser or, or uh, radio frequency ablations. And most of those are performed as an office-based procedure with local type anesthesia. Uh, there, there's also um, mechanochemical devices, glue, if you uh, if you, you know, so there, there, there are what we call non-thermal, non-tumescent applications, which are less invasive, but nothing is risk-free. So what I tell people is, 
you know, you, you get all this information from a lengthy investigation with ultrasound imaging. And what I tell them is I just matched the technology with your anatomy in an unbiased fashion. Now, as a surgeon, I can do the sclerotherapy, I can do the office-based procedures, or I can operate four hours uh, as an outpatient in the hospital. So you, you have an opportunity to apply this, any technology, and, and you want to match it because if you don't, uh, you're going to get complications or it isn't going to work. So the important thing is to do it in an unbiased fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so I think that, that that is a good important point because sometimes it seems like some clinics may advertise one specific thing that they do, but you're saying that really patients are different and you need to really look to see what would best fit their needs. Right, the patients are different. What I tell people is, you know, veins don't read the textbook of anatomy. So all these studies that are performed in this office, I see it live. When the technologist is finished, I go in and, and um, it, it, there's a lot of planning involved. You know, uh, you don't want to uh, go into the uh, procedure room or the operating room and say, well, we'll figure it out when we get in there. That's like jumping off a cliff and building the wings on the way down. You really need a good, a good plan. And often these people uh, have uh, multiple modalities to, to, to finish the job. Mm -hmm. It may include some surgical procedures, some laser endovenous ablation and, and sclerotherapy of some sort. So to, to be able to apply all those um, is going to give you the best long-term result. So when you treat the vein itself, is there any change to the circulation afterward? Or are there issues that patients need to think about? Or is that not really a concern? Yeah, most people ask, you know, how, how do I, how are we going to reroute that blood? You know, so, so. As far as varicose veins are concerned, they're, they're veins that are, are, they don't belong there, okay? Mm -hmm. They're because they're under pressure, there's broken valves, they're pathological veins. And in fact, the blood is going in the wrong direction, right? It's called reflux. It's something going away. The blood and the veins are, are, are going away from the heart from gravity, okay? So one of the advantages of, uh, of any of these treatments is it does redirect some of your, your, your flow in the deep venous system. It does improve the circulation, the venous return. Mm -hmm. That's what it's intended to do. Mm -hmm. And what's the recovery like? You know, I um, as far as, let's start with spider veins. When you do the sclerotherapy, like what can, can they just go out and be, do their normal daily activities that day? Or what what is... Now, everybody's a little different on this. You know, I, I don't put people in compression socks and uh, with, with the cotton balls and the tape. I, 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 uh, I'll inject these people and I wrap them with this Coban uh, vet wrap. It's, it's a rubberized, uh, and they leave it on for uh, two or three hours, sometimes overnight, depending on the size of the vein. So, the, so uh, number one, you, you know, getting into the vein and doing appropriate sclerotherapy is the key. And then the immediate the compression early on is what's important. I don't keep them in compression or socks for three weeks. I, I just don't do that. Uh, your best shots, your initial uh, application for sclerotherapy and then compression. And I can put uh, the exact amount of compression I want with the when I wrap the leg. OK, but there, I tell them there's no real downtime from it. There's no limit in activity. You know, you can do what you want that day. The next day, you know, when you're unwrapped, you can exercise. I, I don't restrict anybody after sclerotherapy. Right. 
Um, I remember, you know, you have a video, we have a video of you um, injecting with sclerotherapy and it's like magic, you know, the um, spider veins are just gone. And then how long does that, that last? Well, you know, you see, you should see a, a difference immediately. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you know, then, then you better go somewhere else and have it done because you can see the difference right away. It's yeah. like a video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 so each area of, of of spider veins, reticular veins, they don't clear up like at one time. They're usually several sessions, okay. but you should see a difference right away. Mm-hmm. And once I get them, they don't come back. If mm-hmm. if if you're if you're injecting veins that are small and under low or no pressure, uh, they 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 will they will not return. You may get new ones. But it, it's 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 very uh, efficient. Mm-hmm. So the let's move to the varicose veins then. What uh, what are the um, as far as recovery time after each of those types of procedures that you mentioned? So if you do some form of uh, ablation technique, which is not cutting, uh, close the vein. Um, I again I wrap these people. Uh, some people put them in full length compression hose, and I have them. Um, no matter how you do it, we, we promote walking and, and active motion so you don't get clots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, uh, I don't have any real restrictions. You're not supposed to fly in an airplane for a week, uh, and I limit some of their activity. You're not going to do deep, heavy squats after after an ablation. But you generally can you can get on a treadmill, you can get on an elliptical, uh, ride a bike uh, for you know the next day. Mm-hmm. So not not too many restrictions at all. If you go the surgical side, it depends on the extent of the procedure. Uh, the local uh, removal uh, we do in the office, uh, these people virtually have no pain afterwards. These, these veins are removed. They can unwrap the next day and shower. Same thing with the outpatient surgical procedures. They may have 15 incisions in each leg but they can unwrap the next day and shower. There's no real downtime. What I tell people is you can do whatever you feel like doing the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you see patients every day with this, with these conditions. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that patients often ask you? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants to know, you know, I'll tell you the most important part is meeting each other's expectations. Mm-hmm. Because of the advertising that goes on now, everybody has an expectation that, you know, I'm going to have no veins at all in, in, in my legs at some point. And, and that simply isn't a realistic expectation. So uh, the important, uh, so nobody gets disappointed, is to meet each other's expectations. And that requires some some discussion and some dialogue. And every patient is different. and each leg in a patient may be different in terms of what treatment's available and what the residual is going to be. But the also, you know, worry about, you know, the recurrence, okay? So, first of all, this venous insufficiency uh, is, is common. At least one-third, 30 to 50 percent of any population is going to have venous insufficiency over a lifetime. So once you get these treatments, and it could be a sequence of treatments, you know, you'd like to there are three things you need. You need to know the, the purpose, why we're doing it. Number two, you'd like to have it done without complications. And three, you'd like the extended warranty. Mm-hmm. So so those are the three things you can calculate with 
that essential ultrasound imaging. That's that's the that's the key to understanding what you can do now and what their future may hold. What is the prognosis? What is the likelihood you're going to get more of these veins? If you have a lot of reflux in your deep venous system and you have this genetic predisposition, you're going to be coming back at some point. <laughs> okay. So the recurrence rate, what, 15 to maybe 50%. There are, there are surgeons that tell you, you're just going to get new veins. And, and that's for the most part true. You, know, you fight age and gravity. That's mm -hmm. what it's about. So do you then see your patients again after a certain period of time if they have that kind of um, history just to kind of see how things are going or is that one, one and done or how do yeah. you get your patients? Right. So typically, you know, there is an end point. Mm -hmm. It may take uh, two months, three months, whatever it may take. But I don't bring people back on a regular basis like you would check somebody after a carotid endarterectomy. There's no built-in surveillance, at least for what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll know when to come back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this has been very helpful. I know you've answered a lot of questions that we get in our nurse line, you know, that patients have about these procedures. So I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I uh, hope this is helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.